Welcome back to the non-exited novel review. In this episode, we will explore chapter six. Our episode and chapter numbers are finally aligned, though not certain how long that'll last. In this chapter, we finally meet Connor Dempsey, though briefly. It is the last day of high school, Father Judge Catholic School for Boys in Northeast Philadelphia, neighborhood of Holmesburg to be exact. As part of tradition, Dempsey locks his master lock to the chain-link fence of the playground across the street from the school, symbolizing his departure from school and youth and into the bright future to come. He has his friends, Sheridan, Burke, and McNamara, waiting for him at his old hand-me-down car, and he rides away, music playing, into the exciting unknown. After the brief Connor Dempsey segment, we go back in time to Thomas Holm eventual surveyor for Philadelphia under William Penn, and a prominent historical figure in this area of the city. Although I believe Holmesburg was named after a man named John Holm, no apparent relation to Thomas Holm, Thomas is truly the man of note, as there is an elementary school, traffic circle that bears his name, as well as a small obelisk memorial that signifies his grave. Nonetheless, I show Thomas Holm in a point in his life where he needs to make a drastic change. He has been a soldier during the Irish Rebellion conflicts, and in this chapter, it is clear that he is tired of all the fighting. I place the modern Connor Dempsey and the historic Thomas Holm side by side in this chapter to show a parallel and connection. The concept of the present and past moving simultaneously that Faulkner quote of the past not even being past still rattling around in my head. Dempsey is in the present, in this neighborhood, in the city, in a tiny way because of Thomas Holm. He's looking to this future with excitement, though we're not sure what that future will hold. In a similar way, Holm is looking for his future, or at least wanting his future life to be markedly different than his current one. Intentionally, I believe Dempsey's life is fairly mundane. All he has done is graduate high school and now riding off with his friends, tasting that real freedom for the first time. Contrastly, Holm is in the midst of history, participating in conflicts under Oliver Cromwell, and on his way to playing a significant role in the founding of Philadelphia which of course was a crucial location for the foundation of the United States. However, what I intended with including such historic people as Thomas Holm was to also push them into the mundane as well, rather depict them having genuine, relatable thoughts and fears. Essentially, not aware that they will be people of note, just like an ordinary person wouldn't know that today. Inspiration. In this chapter, of course, you finally see the non-exodent motto appear as the crest of Dempsey's father judge uniform. As I mentioned in previous episodes, this is the high school that I attended, and the uniform is accurate to what I had to wear every day for four years. I'm fairly specific in my imagery to begin the chapter, and especially the element of Dempsey and curly, blonde, almost white hair blowing in the breeze. Leaving a school where you had to wear the same thing every day and surrounded only by other men was, as you can imagine, 
quite liberating. It was like finally being able to be who you are. You could not have long hair, Father Judge, for example. So, of course, first thing uh, some of us did was try to grow it once we were gone. The Dempsey description and certain personality traits are close to a friend of mine. Like I said previously, I did have the notion of blending the somewhat personal with historic and myth into a stew that was part my world, but part something new as well. Although I try to explain my intentions and rationale in this audio review, I caution against trying to pick out what could possibly be real and what could not. Believe all of it or none of it, just as long as you stay immersed. Craft and Structure The moving from present to past occurs over the next few chapters. I wanted to establish this arrested motion in these chapters, and felt this was the more engaging way to achieve that, rather than just keep everything in chronological order. My goal was to create the sense that both periods of time are happening together, reflecting and affecting one another, moving in a circle rather than a straight line. We will explore this technique over the next few episodes. Now, Chapter 6 of Non-Exodus. Chapter 6 the mid-June afternoon sun baked on the sandstone steps of Father Judge as the eighth period bell sounded and the day was over, and over too was Connor Dempsey's time in high school. He walked down the staircase of the all-boys Catholic high school wearing his Columbia blue golf shirt uniform with the crucifix embroidered emblem and the motto non-exodus, he will not fail, bannered underneath, and his charcoal gray slacks and GBX dress shoes with his black empty Jansport backpack slung across one shoulder and his master lock, which he had used for four years in his hand. Dempsey had his signature sideways grin upon his pale freckled face and his almost white blonde curly hair began to sway slightly in the breeze. He crossed the street to ramp playground, opened his master lock, hooked it on the chain link fence by the basketball court and closed the lock for the last time. Sheridan, Burke and McNamara were already waiting by his Plymouth Reliant, and he walked toward his grandfather's car, which was now his. Dempsey and his friends drove off, with the summer and their lives ahead of them. He opened the windows and let his hand glide with the wind as the music played along the neighborhood of Holmesburg in Philadelphia. Thomas Holm climbed on his steady warhorse Magnus and fastened his short barrel rifle to his hip and joined the rest of his dragoon unit march through the Pete of Ireland. He recalled days walking over the steep hills and forest of Lancashire with his father, and then one day when he was about six, his father simply not being there. His father had died suddenly while cultivating the east side of his land, possibly by a fallen tree branch or a slip down into the valley, or some mysterious illness, maybe even foul play. Nonetheless, his father was but a vague image in his mind, with no distinct features, like viewing an acquaintance in a dream feeling his presence, but not recognizing him. From there, he was tasked with helping to raise his younger siblings until he was sent to Hawkshead Grammar School, where he learned his necessary writing acumen, but also his passion for illustrations. Holm thought of his last days there, brazenly carving his initials in a school desk and even depicting a live oak tree underneath. Now he was part of the scourge of Ireland and Cromwell's bloodlust, and the ultimate self-gratification that only one man is the divine mouthpiece of the Lord and all others must fall in line or else perish. 
Cromwell had once spoken out against such tyranny, but he was now, besides the actual crown on his head, the King of England. Holmes thought of how easy it was for man to fall to the same corruption that they spoke out against. They derided the snake until they killed it just to inherit its fangs the next day and pierce all others with its venom. Thomas Holmes did not want to perform the acts required of him under Cromwell, but it was that or perish himself. He had been a soldier since he was 17, and now at age 27 and with a wife Sarah and a child arriving, the guilt began to weigh on his soul. As a teenager, blood was a fine and necessary proposition. Rage and righteousness emanated in his body. He was ripe to accept hatred and act upon it. The Irish and any other rebellious lot were villains, threatening to upheave and expunge English life. The rifle or sword felt right in his hand, and he fired or swung with a sense of duty and pride and an easy simplicity. These actions would form a new way, a way without the chains of absolute rule and a life where only some could have the aspiration for freedom. He would fight valiantly and be rewarded with a world as it were meant to be lived, without the omniscient specter of government and religion, just a man who could wake, do as he pleased with the day, and be a kingdom within himself and his family. As the years of fighting persisted, he knew this ideal world was not to be. He saw Parliament and the army fall into the same patterns of oppression. Citizens slaughtered without trial or reasons, soldiers committing the slightest infractions executed on the spot, and independent sects of Christianity preaching tolerance and nonviolence being jailed or shipped to English colonies. Holm did not have the answer to how life should be as he rode his horse toward Limerick with his fellow dragoons that day in this endless war but he was certain that it had to be better than this. Thank you for listening to this episode. We will continue with Connor Dempsey and Thomas Holm in our next episode, Chapter 7. Until we meet again.